Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another day in the booth on a Thursday, rocking and rolling. Hope everybody's on board here. We've got a little bit of a different format off the start. We're going to cut down our usual chicanery. Sometimes we can go, you know, 15, 17 minutes on nonsense at the beginning of the show. Today, our nonsense is going to have to be cut somewhat to a, a brief respite. And then we can get on with the usual time wasting that we do uh, later in the program. But we're going to have Dave Doran, the head coach of uh, North Carolina State, joining us live. In just a few minutes, so uh, we're going to try to keep it neat and tidy uh, before that and head to a break a little bit uh, earlier on the show today. World Series is two games to none in favor of the Red Sox, and that's just a sort of distraction and time filler for the rest of us while we work our way through Syracuse sports because those are happening and happening here in town. Football, of course, Saturday evening, a 7 o'clock start against NC State, and we'll talk about that with Coach Doran here in a moment, but basketball tonight the first of two exhibitions the orange and the college of st rose a program that uh, won 21 games last year brings back two players has eight freshmen and just had a coaching change in the last week their version of coach Beheim had been at it 32 years had dealt with some health issues in uh, recent years and decided to uh, hang them up and not necessarily health related but he was maybe looking at another leave and so uh, he's stepped aside. And his longtime assistant, a guy named Mike Perno, has taken over as the uh, interim head coach. Kind of silly that it's interim. You'd figure that uh, eventually he will be named fully the head coach at his alma mater, and uh, they can move on. So we'll tell that story for you tonight on uh, ACC Network Extra. Over on TK99, Michael Tricarico and uh, Coach Jim Saddle will have the call on the uh, radio side. And as uh, Seth just laid out, the Dino Babers show with uh, guest assistant coach Reno Faree, guest host tonight, Brian Higgins. They will be on on uh, ESPN Radio 97.7 right here. So last night on ESPN 97.7, the baseball, the Red Sox going up two games to none in the World Series against the Dodgers. They say in series like this, they don't actually begin until the home team loses a game. So that has not yet happened as they switch uh, sides of the country going back to L.A. But uh, an unusual inside baseball and inside baseball radio moment last night. Thank goodness the uh, talented and friendly Dan Shulman was at the controls when uh, all heck broke loose in the ESPN radio booth at Fenway Park. So this is what happened initially. Considering home security, consider this. There he goes. So you're hearing the crowd noise. And I think you'll even hear a, a bat here. A hit. Or a pitch. So you're still hearing the crowd, but then this was their excuse. It sounds like the power to their headphones. Or their power to their headsets. Mics, yeah, yeah. Which would be weird that they would be separately powered. All right, Dan Schulman back with you at Fenway. We apologize. We have lost power in our booth. 
So I'm calling the game off a cell phone right now. As Kessie said, Pierce walked with a base loaded to force in the tying run. It's tied at two. And the batter now is J.D. Martinez, who takes inside ball one. So Ryan Madsen, who didn't have a great outing last night in relief of Clayton Kershaw, struggling now with the outset in the relief of Hyunjin Ryu, is now a swing and a liner. Right field and down for a base hit. And two runs will come in to score. Betson Benintendi both in. Pierce around the third. Two-run single for Martinez. And the Red Sox have a 4-2 lead. And the Red Sox go on to win it. Dan Shulman, as good as they come, handled that uh, well and moved on. Does sound a little weird. Sound like they maybe were transmitting not only his phone call, but then they were overlaying that over the original crowd noise, crowd noise that they already had uh, from Fenway Park, and uh, and that worked. All right, we can get back into that as we continue. Certainly, we'll get into the basketball game. We'll get your phone calls on if you'd like at 315-437-7644 if you'd like to chime in. But when we come back, we'll be joined by Dave Doran, the head coach of North Carolina State Football. That's next, In the Booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Welcome back in the booth. Good to have you along with us. It is the Orange and NC State Saturday night in the Dome and a 7 o'clock start. Head coach of the Wolfpack, Dave Doran, and a good one. He's in his uh, sixth year there, always uh, generous with his time, and we appreciate that. Coach, thanks for being with us. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, you have had a knack. You've uh, won a lot more games than you've lost in your time there as it's you've beaten Syracuse four times in a row, and frequently in recent years that's been coming in off a, lo- a loss. What is important for you when you do drop one, no coach wants that, but then it allows you some teaching opportunities, and, and you've had that chance here. You're only lost of the season so far, and you get to regroup uh, coming on the road this week. Yeah, well, win or loss, you know, we've always taken the philosophy here. We want to get better in the next game. And uh, obviously we lost the game with Clemson and didn't play well, and you know, so there's a lot to talk about. But the most important thing is getting on to the next one. And uh, as we did in our first five, you know, we really believe in taking each game one at a time and trying to take the information we gather from our last time out on film to improve ourselves fundamentally, individually, and collectively. And that's what we have to do coming into this one because Syracuse is really playing well. Well, a lot of teams are going to have a tough go of it when they line up with Clemson, that's for sure. And certainly uh, Syracuse found that out as well. What did you find out about your team and what's been the most important thing to address this week? Uh, you know, I don't know if I found out anything in that game. Well, we just didn't play well, mm-hmm. and they played really well. And so, you know, it was a, an opportunity to go play the, the best team in our league and didn't show up to do it. And for a variety of reasons, you know, didn't feel like it was us. And, you know, a chance to regroup and get back. And obviously, uh, when you turn the film on and see who you're playing and how they're playing, you know, you don't have time to worry about that because we got to play well in this game to have a chance to win. They're a really good football team. One of the things, Coach, that your team is doing very well this year is you're one of the most efficient and productive passing offenses in the country, let alone the, the conference. Certainly, I'm sure you'd hope that when you got a transfer from Boise State a few years ago that Ryan Finley would develop into that. What are the other factors that have been in place for you to be as good there? Obviously, when you get sacked th- three times for the season, there's a lot of things that are going right. Well, I was going to say that to you. I mean, it, it always starts with your protection, and, and our line's done a great job. Our tight ends and running backs are a part of that. and uh, The receiving core and the quarterback are in rhythm uh, in a lot of ways. But, you know, if you have time to throw and you have good guys running and catching for you, there's a lot of things you can do. And uh, for the most part, we've been good there. 
Is there something that we'll be able to see, Coach, in Finley's progression that you've noticed that you know maybe he didn't have when he first showed up there, but uh, with the coaching staff and with the time that he's been able to put in, he's really developed? You know, I just think his game reaction is so good. He's, he's uh, so experienced and mature. Um, he's played a lot of football, you know, so the game is not fast to him. And you see a guy that's just very collected, uh, knows what he's doing and why, and, and does a good job running the offense through his players. He's completing 68% of his passes uh, so far this year with 10 touchdowns. Uh, that's Ryan Finley. Dave Doran is our guest, the NC State head coach. And on defense, Coach, it's well chronicled. You had a lot to replace there. Bradley Chubb just was so destructive in his career, let alone against uh, the Orange in last year's game in Raleigh. How's that group coming along in terms of uh, finding their own identity? You know, I thought uh, the first five weeks of the season they played well. You know, I mean, there's always things that you're going to be disappointed in. That's what we do. Um, but we've defended the run well. We've we've played really well on third down and in the red zone defensively. Uh, we've cut down on a number of explosive plays. Um, you know, I don't think there's any particular player other than maybe Jermaine Pratt that, you know, week in and week out has stood out for us. But we're playing collectively good defense. And uh, obviously last week we didn't. But in the first five games, each week I felt like we got a little better, particularly in the areas that we were focusing on. Red zone defense so far, uh, NC State, one of the best in the country, has allowed just nine touchdowns to opponents in 23 red zone trips. That ranks ninth in America. Coach Babers pointed out that he liked your linebacking core. Uh, Jermaine Pratt clearly is your leader there in terms of the top tackler and a grad student. But what are you getting from the freshman? Isaiah Moore, a redshirt freshman, uh, really seems to stick out on the tape as well. Yeah, and Isaiah uh, has gotten better each game. Um, he plays really hard, first of all. He, he diagnoses things. He sees things well. He's a contact player and uh, gets off of blocks and strikes people. And he's just consistent, you know, and I think he, he's got a very high ceiling. He continues to learn how to, you know, study offenses and anticipate things. Coach, on this end, obviously the talk all week has been about the Syracuse quarterback position and Coach Babers is uh, holding his cards close to his vest and not announcing it. I always wondered what it's like on the other side of that. To what degree were you preparing for DeVito to begin with? Has it changed anything that you and your staff are doing this week? Yeah. Well, the fact that he's not saying anything to us means that we have to be ready for both guys, you know, and I have great respect for uh, both of these quarterbacks. I think they're really good players, and they've put it on tape. And Dungey's done it for a long time, and so we'll be ready for both. And, and yeah, there are differences, but, you know, I think their offense doesn't change a ton in the pass game. It's just the QB run game part that's different. Mm -hmm. What about the other 21 positions? What are you seeing right now that you from Syracuse that you think could give you trouble? Well, I mean, obviously they lead the ACC in scoring, you know. I mean, they're, they're an explosive offense. They always have receivers, and I think the running backs are playing well. Um, on defense, their D-line is really impressive. I mean, it's much improved, probably most improved area, in my opinion, over the last three years of watching them uh, since Coach has gotten there, and, and I think they're really good players up front. So, I mean, those are things that, that jump out to you. Their special teams are playing well. Uh, Riley's been a great returner for them for years, and 
your punter and kicker are doing good things for him as well. Yep, see that uh, you made a change uh, in a couple of those spots too uh, from, from one year to the next and and uh, looking forward to These games have always been close uh, for the most part, Syracuse and State. And Coach, uh, continued success to you and what you've been able to create there. We appreciate your time. Hope you have safe travels, okay? I uh, appreciate that. Go Pack. All right, that's Dave Doran, head coach of the NC State Wolfpack for joining us. Uh, in previous years when you talked to him, I know that like his uh, kicker has been a sore subject, made a uh, change there where their kicker the last couple of years is now the backup. They've got a new one that's been okay. A really good wide receiver core, not just one guy, but a, a group of uh, two, three, four people that they can throw it to with a senior quarterback that's been around and played a lot. I like the go pack ending. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of coaches have that. That's kind of a, I think from the Mac Brown school, Mac always drops the name of the interviewer, which uh, Coach Doran hasn't uh, done in this case, but he does the go pack. You got Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern that always ends with the Go cats, and uh, I like it. Handful, I absolutely, I would just would totally do that if I were. I don't know if I would do it if I were a coach, but I would encourage a coach to do it. I think it's kind of cool from a branding and jam it team. right down the orange fans' throats. Well, it's just kind of I a, like it's it. just sort of a uh, team camaraderie kind of thing. You know, Daryl Gross used to talk about that when one USC fan sees another, it's fight on. You know, and I think maybe if, you know, when we travel, Paul, you see fans and you're out, I don't know, in, especially if it's a city where you're maybe not, you're only there for the game. It's clear that you're there, you know, in these occasional times where we go to, uh, let's say Chicago or Atlanta or whatever. And you say, hey, you might, there might be like a go cues and you keep walking. Uh, but that's, you know, NC State people go pack. That's, that's their thing. And uh, Dave Doran leads the charge with that. USC, fight on. Hook them horns. Texas, whatever it might be. Go orange. There you go. That one, too. So you're, you're all fired up. All right. We will <laughs> uh, break here. We can get back into the forensics on that uh, radio call. Are you, were you calling BS? Is that what you were trying to create As a conspiracy? As a broadcast there? engineer, I can't. And it's not shocking that I can't figure out how no, the crowd mic was still on. Unless it was fed separately to the... Now, it's possible. There's a lot of different things that's possible. It's possible they could feed that separately just for that purpose. Remember how we have occasionally done that um, to maybe provide a little background to pre-taped interviews? We've sent yeah. that, and if they were sending it separately because they did the... A lot of their pregame was from the studio. Mark Kestisher was in the studio. So, so it could be on a separate, complete could thing be. feed to them. Okay, that would make sense. But when people say, oh, we lost power, there's a lot of ways you can lose power. And you, you, Polly, have hit for the cycle of losing power. Yeah, I, I've <laughs> seen it happen a lot of different ways. <laughs> I've seen Chris Gedney try and plug his phone in and turn us off. There, there I, I turned be, it off. There I, could be, uh, I lost power because it's out and we don't have a generator. Or the, you know, it's, it's out on the whole block or the stadium. Or the color guy kicked it out because right. the only plug is below his feet. Yeah, somebody hit a switch. You yeah. could just have a loose cord here or there yeah. it could not actually be out of power but because your headphones are unplugged or something yeah. you don't hear it and it gives you the yeah, sensation that you're out of power so that could have been something that would have happened in that case yes. where in actuality they were on the whole time but, but they Dan, couldn't hear it. Yeah. the feedback to let's say if their headphone amp this is really geeking people out if their headphone amp was loose or came unplugged which has happened would, right they would still be sending the sound and everything but it would act to Dan as if the power was out correct yes 
So they wouldn't hear anything. Correct. Yes. Those cans that you put on your ears would not work All of good. these things have happened this year, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yes, One of those happened at, uh, at Clemson. We had a little uh, loose cord change on the fly. The but, gr- the grace in the whole thing, Polly, is to try to you know fix it without anybody knowing. That's, yes. that's the real point. But we've all done what Dan Shulman has done, and he's one of the greats. He's an awesome uh, broadcaster and a really good guy. Uh, we've all done that. I broadcast an entire basketball game courtside on my phone years ago. The old Pittsburgh Arena. We had to do a whole half of basketball with Dave Pash on a phone. Yeah, it's just bad. I did it. It was an NCAA flooding. game. One of my first jobs was at uh, doing the games at UNC Greensboro, and the men the two years were not good. But the women made the tournament. So they said, hey, will you go to Alabama and do this game? And I did on the phone. Just the way it is. All right, back with more as we continue in the booth. This is ESPN Radio Series. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. So yesterday I talked about how Coach Beheim made comments about LeBron being Darius Baisley's agent when asked about the endorsement deal that Darius Baisley got Darius Baisley got from New Balance. Well, Coach Beheim ended up calling Rich Paul after this all went down to apologize to him. And Rich Paul happened to be on the ESPN show The Jump yesterday with Rachel Nichols and said that he has nothing but respect for Coach Beheim, no hard feelings uh, against the comments. Yeah, no surprise. I mean, you can't make too much of Twitter. Here's news for you. Famous people north of 70 don't run their own Twitter accounts. <laughs> I have no idea what happened there, but I don't think he's getting on. Tw- I mean, I just think whatever happened here is blown up and stupid. Next. It's actually pretty funny that, you know. I mean, it was, he was just trying to. Yeah. He wasn't like trying to create anything. I mean. Yeah, and do you think LeBron is really mad at Coach No, I, No, you know, it's like he put a smiley face, like laughing emoji, yeah. right? After. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, he's coached him before, right? Of course. Yeah, so. Steph Curry, he put on a show last night again. He played only about three quarters. It, it was 31 minutes. He went 15 for 24 from the field, 11 for 16 from three, 51 points. Insane. I watched the highlights. I mean, it's just. They did uh, what they do in, in golf when they say made X amount of uh, feet of putts. They said he made 337 feet of shots. Wow. He made four 30-footers. The whole idea that he's so locked in that he takes two steps over midcourt and pulls is just incredible. And uh, so much fun to watch. And he has fun playing, and it's great. And you can see how people they can do it or emulate it. And it's, you know, a lot of other people try to do stuff like that. Trey Young in college last yeah, year. Yeah, about the only one that I can think of that does similar type of things. It's just so unique to see a guy that uh, is that good a shooter, that good a balance, uh, that sense of the floor. He's incredible. I know basketball has turned into shooting threes because that's what the analytics are telling you. Do you enjoy watching watching him pull up from 30 feet? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, my first instinct always is, you know, there's four other guys running down the floor. How do they feel about the fact that you – but what are they going to say? I mean, he shoots such a high percentage sure. of them and, bang, you know – so, yeah, you ran down there, and the guy took a shot at 21 on the shot clock and bought him, you know, and pff, let's head back up the floor. It's it's just incredible. Now, in highlights, you tend to only see the ones he makes and, and all of that, but he makes such a high percentage of, of these types of shots, you're kind of surprised any time they don't go in. I always do the what would Beheim do when I see guys do that, too. Like I always imagine, like, 
What if Frank Howard pulled up? <laughs> well, from there? he'd go crazy. But yeah. again, you know, but there's different rules. Have, yeah. yeah, the rules, the, the the rules of what's a good shot are in, are dependent on how skilled you are and what the game situation is and where the other players on the floor is and and all of that floor are. Um, and in his case, you know, he can make him. He, he's made him time and again. And and if he's to be believed, you hear that the his teammates are saying, "No, nah, take it down and." And shoot it. Now, are those guys running the floor as hard as they need to to rebound it if he misses? Do you have any chance of rebounding a ball that is shot from 40 feet? Because the rebound's probably going to be a long one, too. So, I don't know. It's an entirely different game, but it's uh, awfully fun to watch. It's clearly been successful for the Warriors, but to me, I don't enjoy watching that type of basketball of him just chucking up 30-footers, coming off screens, fading away. You don't enjoy that? I don't. Uh, no, I really don't like do watching it. I'm fascinated now. Yeah. What's more exciting than it? I, I just don't think that that's how basketball was meant to be played. I don't know. I I, I like throwing the ball down to the po- throw the ball down to the guy in the post. Let him him post up and and make a move. I don't like just chucking up these thirty five footers. Clearly, it works for Steph Curry. He's made an, a Hall of Fame career out of it. I don't enjoy the basketball that that it comes from. Duly noted. All right. You're the one. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, okay. Uh, Rocco Baldelli. He was hired to be the next manager of the Twins. He's 37 years old. He's going to be the youngest manager in baseball. He was drafted in the same class as Adam Wainwright and Chase Utley. Here, stu- still active members of Major League Baseball, and he actually has a player on his team older than him, Matt Belisle, a relief pitcher. Yeah, they might have been teammates somewhere along the line, actually, in in uh, Tampa, but. Um... You know, Baldelli was going to be the next big thing. He's from uh, Rhode Island and uh, was going to be a superstar. He was a great high school player, and injuries held him back. But he's been thought of as coach and now managerial material. And uh, I hope it works out for him. The Twins have some people in their front office that have a background and are emulating the Rays to a degree. So you can see where that connection was made. And there is a trend to these younger guys that are off the field. They're not valuing so much the experience that you were out managing in the minor leagues. That's a pretty rare concept anymore. It's not um, a priority. Uh, The priority is that you understand analytics and that you are working in concert with the front office and that you know how to interpret some of these things that they're talking about uh, based on analytics and and the new way that uh, that teams are managed. So uh, that's how young people are going to come in. Most of these guys made so much money playing. Even Rocco Baldelli, I bet if you looked up, and maybe that's what Paulie's doing, if you looked up his salary, it's going to be significant to the point where he probably doesn't need a job. Sure. Where for decades, the people who were who were these managers were the Bruce Bochies of the world that may have played a little bit in the major leagues but didn't make ridiculous, I never need to work again kind of money. He made six mil yeah. over his career. Yeah. So... Far from a household name in terms of a player, he didn't realize the potential that was maybe out there for him to begin with. But uh, and he's nowhere near the player that Paul Molitor was. I'm not really certain why they moved on from Molitor, to be honest with you, other than there was a, a change in leadership um, of the entire organization, you know, from the top. But uh, <laughs> we'll see how it works out. And this is, I think, kind of the trend. I bet the you know some of these other openings tend to go with with younger guys that you you know are, are closer to their playing to days. Put it in perspective, Bruce Bochy made two hundred and sixty thousand yeah. dollars in his career. Yeah. So I mean, Joe Madden was down there too. He he was only he got to like a double yeah. A player. Yeah. yeah. 
but again, different era, and Joe yeah. Madden comes about it a, a different way than some of these guys. You know? Baldelli's been the first base coach for the Rays for about three, four, five years now, so he has coaching experience. Get uh, Sadlin back on the phone. That's uh, Sadlin's life goal is to be a first base coach in the major league, so maybe there's an opening for him now. <laughs> there. Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> in Tampa, Tampa, that'd be a good one. Terrible stadium to have to go to work uh, at every day, but you're in Tampa, and you're a first base coach in the major leagues. You know, Decent that, team now, too. Yeah, thank you, Tommy. That... Uh, came up, I think it was during the game, either last night or the night before, it uh, was kind of an indictment of what a first base coach does or knows. Tom Goodwin's a longtime first base coach of the Red Sox and a, and a former major league player in his own right. Andrew Benatendi was was last night or the night before that he went four for four. I guess it was the night before, right? Doesn't matter. Yeah. But he gets out there and when he gets to first base after getting a hit, he turns to Goodwin and says, man, this guy you know, really is nasty and and it sounded like it was news to Goodwin, like you know what the way he was describing is the pitcher's pitches, and and that the, uh, Benatendi had seen him before as a pinch hitter earlier in the year. And Goodwin's, oh really? You know, <laughs> that uh, your job is just to congratulate the guy. Well, take their gear, yeah. yell "get back," <laughs> keep a stopwatch on the uh, pickoff move. In actuality, those guys tend to have another uh, responsibility, like infield defense or. Or could be outfield defense, and they work on positioning and fundamentals, and those guys do a lot of work at spring training, and then uh, some different things as the season goes along. But that would not be a bad job, first base coach in the major leagues. When we come back, we'll get into more of this orange uh, basketball game tonight against St. Rose. What would you like to see? We'll have a little more feel for what they're like after tonight, uh, and then after next week's exhibition on a Wednesday night, Against Lemoyne. Season opens on Tuesday, the 6th, with Eastern Washington coming to town. That's all ahead as we roll along in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth, good to have you with us on this Thursday. Orange basketball tonight. Looking forward to it with a 7 o'clock start time as uh, the Cuse takes on the College of St. Rose. You know, it's just an exhibition, but to me it's a much bigger deal than, say, the orange versus white in terms of what you can find out about the team. They'll be playing at full speed. They'll be playing against somebody in a different color uniform. The difference, obviously, is that that other team doesn't have the material to put up enough of a resistance for it to be much of a game, typically. How did you guys arrive on the number 24, by the way, trying to make up a line? It's probably not that far off, but... Uh, I just blurted just threw it, it out, out there, really yeah. quickly. Um, but just St. Rose and you know the teams like this, Lemoyne's got an entirely new roster, so I don't want to speak on their team yet without really having done my homework and, and knowing more about it. But uh, teams like this just can't compete from a size perspective. They know that. You know, Now they might be able to shoot lights out. But even their best shooter is six feet tall, and their best big man is six five. Paul, you want a little? Uh, here's one for you. You want a little '80s baseball? Yeah. Look at who their uh, fourth one down there. Look who their best big man is. Matt Cerruti. He is the nephew of former Chief and Blue Jay John Cerruti. Wow. That is that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> that's an '80s baseball yeah. name for you, though. And John Cerruti was 
an 11-game winner on the 1985 Syracuse Chiefs that won the International League. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You're blowing all your good stuff for, <laughs> the, the, good stuff. <laughs> for the broadcast. I don't, I don't know when that's going to come up on the show. think John Cerruti would be in the house. If he was, we could isolate him uh, tonight on the tube. You're definitely going to need a cry-on underneath him explaining who he is to yeah, everybody. That's not a cry-on. That's called a chiron. chiron and, and, that even that is a uh, outdated term. A nameplate? <laughs> cry-on, was that the uh, spray paint? Yes. And the reason I know that is because they advertise. I love mistakes on this show. Right. I love it. <laughs> well, you do it every day. So, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, so do I. Cry-lon. Cry-lon is the spray paint. And the reason I know that is they were a sponsor on the baseball bunch yes. hosted by Johnny Bench. The rust-proof right. paint. I used to love the baseball bunch. Yeah. And this Boy, week in baseball... You and I, Paul, our development just, it just <laughs> shut off at about age uh, 13. Our references did, at least. Did you get this week in baseball? This it, week in baseball. I, or a baseball weekly Mel in Allen. the mail. Uh, baseball, for sure. You got that in the mail? Right from the start, absolutely. Loved it. Absolutely. I think my life is changing, though. I found myself Just watch, now? I found myself watching the regular season Sixers-Bucks game as much as I was That's watching. That's incredible. We had that conversation the, the previous the day Se- that uh, watching the World spot Series. I dropped in on the, the way home. Uh didn't have the World Series game on television. I couldn't believe it, and uh, and it's this is by no means the condemnation of, of the establishment. It was just more the circumstances. It wasn't like anybody was clamoring for it. No, you know, nobody came in and asked. It was the bar I was at last night. Automatically, eight o'clock, all the TVs went to the World Series. Sounds like a place like, I would like to hang out. Except you're there. I'll, dro- <laughs> I'll drop the name of it for you later. <laughs> no, the, unless they're paying for it. No, yeah, later. I'll give it to you off the air. Okay. Oh, there you go. Seemed like I had something else I was going to talk to you about off air, but there's this basketball. We're, we're juggling chainsaws here. But basketball wise tonight, I mean, let's see who's healthy. But uh, you know, Tyus Battle will be bringing the ball up and moving it around. And I saw his quote in the in the paper saying, yeah, "I know the place. That's that's fine." <laughs> so uh, Elijah Hughes will get uh, some run his first, and we'll get a look at you know some of these guys kind of uh, bigger, faster, stronger, surgically repaired in some cases, like with Barama Sidibe and uh, Marek Dolajai uh, having bulked up. Pascal Chuku, I think will, you know he'll dominate in a game like this. You know he's just almost literally a head above some of the guys he's uh, lining up against uh, for St. Rose. And so uh, looking forward to seeing it. Gets uh, some real live uh, tape for the guys. This one tonight and then uh, LeMoyne on Wednesday. This is a St. Rose team that finished second to LeMoyne in their division in the Northeast 10 last year and uh, both ought to be about middle of the pack this year. Going back to your thing about the, the line, which is obviously there's not a line for this game for lots of reasons. One, it's an exhibition game, doesn't count. Two, it's against a Division Two school. Three, that would be silly. Four, whatever. But Syracuse won its uh, games last year in the neighborhood of by 30 points. They played two other teams in that league, Southern Connecticut, Southern New Hampshire. And uh, those teams were not as good as LeMoyne and, and St. Rose were last year. St. Rose does have a local guy in Sean Dady, the West Hill 
product, was a uh, state champion and area player of the year, as was uh, Buddy Beheim at uh, JD the year prior. And uh, Sean Dady, though, unable to go due to uh, surgery, so he will be on the shelf for the year for St. Rose. This came up earlier on the show also. Can you take anything away from this game? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I think, and if you ask Coach Beheim, why do you play these games? Because, again, at this level you have the choice that they could play a game like this against a Division two school, open the doors and do all of that. Or they could play a scrimmage, let's say, against uh, Binghamton, Buffalo. Yeah, well, we were we were sitting in the booth prior to the UNC game, and their play-by-play yeah. guy goes, they're playing Villanova today. Right, and so in their case, you know, <laughs> North Carolina, if they wanted to, could play a scrimmage, I guess, against East Carolina, somebody that's close, right, mm-hmm. that's not on their schedule. But they elect to not only do that, but then to travel, which is crazy, mm-hmm. and to play a major program that also has national title uh, aspirations and a program that they recently played in the national uh, title or the Final Four. Um, so that's how they've chosen to do it. When you do that, then it's what they call a secret scrimmage. The doors are closed and nobody reports on it, which is not really true in this day and age because then the – Box scores leak out and what have you. But um, Coach Beheim's stated reason for why he prefers this way is playing in the Dome is different. He wants people to experience that in a game that doesn't count. Now, Syracuse is going to overmatch Eastern Washington too, okay? But when that game happens, it's not going to be the first time that these guys have run out on the floor in that environment. If they played a closed-door scrimmage, Homer Road or whatever, and even if it was in the Dome, it still wouldn't have uh, the fans, the uh, the timing, the you know those t- the television, those types of things that um, you know you just don't want it to be the first somebody's first time when it counts. And he happens to be bringing back a veteran team in this case, but that's not always uh, true. And you know you look at who's actually making their first carry at home appearance. I mean, I guess that's sort of like Elijah Hughes, but what did Elijah Hughes do last year? Before every game, he's out there three hours prior uh, for pickup and and running up and down with with uh, Jerry McNamara and Eric Devendorf, et, et cetera. Uh, Jalen Carey would be his first game. We don't expect him to play tonight. And Buddy Bayham's put up a few. Buddy Bayham has you know been around. Although how, has he really though? I'm trying to think like I'm trying to think of times when he's been in there. You know, he's played. Played high school games in I there or whatever, coached but coached uh, him at camp one year. There you go, and he overcame it. Yes, obviously. So that's good. Uh, Live to tell the story, but yeah, it'd be cool for Buddy, and I, I think for all those guys to uh, get the first one out of the way. Football wise, we appreciate Dave Doran of uh, NC State for joining us on the show. Uh, he's every year willing to uh, to take the time to do it. Program today brought to you by Bugs Be Gone and CH Insurance. The previous show had Anthony Becht on. I thought he had some really interesting things to say. He'll be uh, calling the game on ESPN television on Saturday night. ESPN 2, I guess it's on with uh, a North Syracuse native, or at least uh, Cicero North Syracuse High School product, Beth Mowens. And uh, Becht had actually a, an interesting way of looking at the offense, or at the uh, Syracuse quarterback situation. He says, look, it's on the offensive line. They haven't done their job recently uh, in these last couple of games, and some thought has to be put into their improvement before it even matters who's at quarterback. And basically was kind of saying, if you're li- and we would all know this, if your line is not great, then you want the more mobile, more improvis- improvisational quarterback 
back there, not the pocket passer like uh, Tommy DeVito is. So um, I've been pretty clear right from the start. I think it's uh, Eric Dungy's game to start. Will not surprise me in the least when DeVito plays. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they've scheduled time for him to play in this game. And we'll go from there. We'll we'll see how uh, the quarterback aspect of this uh, plays out. And by the way, just to foreshadow, so it's not the first time we say this, if you hear me say this on Monday, they can win the game irrespective of the quarterback. They can lose the game irrespective of the quarterback. In other words, if they lose the game Saturday night, it's not solely going to be because the wrong quarterback played. That There's any number of ways it can play out, but let's see how it plays out. And, uh, and I think it will be a close game because uh, – Historically here of late, Syracuse and NC State have been close. State's won them all, but uh, they've been close games. State's won uh, four in a row. Syracuse got the one in uh, Doran's first year. So uh, that's how that all goes down, and that one is Saturday night, 7 o'clock. going to be fun to have a Saturday night primetime game. It's been a while since that has been the case, so we're looking forward to all of that. And it's coming up here. Back here tomorrow to uh, rehash tonight's game, get you set for football as well. And uh, talk to you if you'd like to do that on tomorrow's show. Back in the booth as uh, we roll along. No, as far as the program is concerned tonight, no baseball. So it works out well that we do have the football over at Press Room Pub. Brian Higgins with Coach Babers, Assistant Coach Reno Faree. They'll all be out there with uh, the Dynamite Tim Backer. And uh, that is on ESPN Radio 97.7. And on TK99, Michael Tricarico and uh, Jim Sadlin have the radio call of the exhibition game tonight against St. Rose. For Tommy and Polly, I'm Matt saying so long. Thanks for listening this afternoon, everybody, on ESPN Radio.